Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. If you've been following along for the episode and a half that we've dropped so far, you know that uh, we're undergoing a little bit of a rebrand. As I was doing some research and looking around, noticed that there was a lot of other open book podcasts out there and wanted to go for something that was a little bit more true to um, our intent for the pod and our background with exploring the hows and whys of yearbook and knocked it around with some really smart people. And somebody said, why not get after yearbook wise? And here we are. It's pretty straightforward and uh, the conversations continue. You can find us at at yearbookwise on Twitter, and you can email in direct with questions and comments and feedback, suggestions for episode topics at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. In our next episode, we're going to visit with Jim Jordan. He was the longtime advisor at the Takemi Yearbook at Del Campo High School in California. He's currently a special consultant with Walsworth and uh, is a guy who I value as a, a mentor uh, for his experience, but also as a, a dear, dear friend. We met 10 years ago at a camp at uh, Gettysburg in Pennsylvania, and he worked with numbers in my staff over the last 10 years. Uh, we're going to look toward traveling with your staff, looking at the upcoming CSPA convention in New York City in March and the National High School Journalism Convention hosted by NSPA and JEA in April and explore what it's like to take your staff on the road. So look for that in our next episode. But today we come to you from St. Louis and upstate New York. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the pod, uh, Deborah Clevins. Deborah is a friend of mine who I met first in 2015 when we hit the road together for a tour of uh, our publisher's plant and, and printing operations in the Midwest. Uh, it was Deborah and one of her editors, one of my editors for a week on the road we hit it off, and uh, well, Deborah, welcome to your book, Wise. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're, um, you're the first. <laughs> thank you. Uh, my name is Deborah Clevins, and I have been advising for 19 years. I started off out of college with a journalism education degree, but wanted to go into the business world because at the time I thought I wanted to make a lot of money. And really quickly learned that I didn't like that. Um, I didn't feel like I was making a difference in the world. So I called the curriculum coordinator at my school district and asked if I could volunteer in the school. And she said no. They um, hired me at, on the job right then and there to be a reading specialist. And a month later, they called me up to interview for a yearbook position for the following year. So I got really lucky because I was told um, at, at my undergrad that I would never get a job in journalism because you couldn't just have a journalism education degree. Oh, if they only knew. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah. And, I, and, and I'm really grateful that I didn't listen because I loved teaching yearbook and I was given that opportunity 19 years ago and I've learned so much along the way. That's absolutely fantastic. And I absolutely mangled the name of your publication two episodes ago. So help me out here. It's Pawasehi, and it stands for Parkway West Senior High. It's the first two letters of each um, each of the words in my school. Absolutely. And I didn't come up with the name, but 50 years ago, the advisor did. I like it. I like it. And you also, you wear another hat with publications at Parkway, right? Yes. I'm also the newspaper advisor. And tell me a little bit about each staff. So my yearbook staff has been has been strong. I start when I took over that 19 years ago. It took about four years to build that program, 
And then um, I would say about six years ago, it really, really took a, a turn for the better. Um, we changed publishers and um, before we changed publishers, even just the kids, the motivation of those kids, it changed and it, it just became a, a group of kids that really wanted something more and I wanted something more. And then we switched publishers and the publisher really helped me um, to grow as an advisor and motivated my staff in ways that I, it's just unimaginable, but um, we, just, we, we went gangbusters. And then newspaper about six years ago, they came to me and the former teacher had retired and they asked me to start teaching the program. And I just, at the time, I didn't think it would be possible to do both. Um, and my principal said, well, I want you to. And I said, well, I'll try it for a year. And here are my conditions. I only want to do it online. And so that was before a lot of people were online. Um, so I contacted an online um, vendor and they helped me navigate the way. At that point, I started off with 14 students, of which three actually worked. And um, we worked to rebuild that program. And I'm happy to say right now that program is 35 strong. And we doubled the number at semester. So um, kids are really, really into it and really engaged. And it's just so exciting to see both groups of kids so passionate about what they're doing. And I think that's really the key here is that when you find kids that are passionate and you allow them to do what they want to do, great things come from it. And if people who are listening to the podcast wanted to find your, it's uh, Pathfinder? The yes, it's the pwestpathfinder.com. Dot com. There you go. Excellent. Look them up. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I was doing a little bit of homework in the background for this episode. And uh, I can tell you that Deborah's kids are, are absolutely getting it done. Um, just briefly, either one of the publications, do they have much of a presence with social media? Um, we do have a Facebook account. And that's um, the Facebook account is Parkway West High School. You can also find it at, at PWSPub. That, that's kind of an easier way to find it. Our Instagram, um, I have one student this year that wanted to, I, I basically said to my staff last year, who in the school is the best at running social media? And they gave me a name. And I said, I sent her a letter and invited her to join the staff. And she joined the staff at the beginning of the year. We had 447 followers by um by December, she had us at a thousand wow. and she's wow. just done an amazing job. Yeah. So that's our Instagram is really, really big right now at our school. Um, we have 1600 students. So having a thousand followers to me is, is a great start. Um, and then Twitter, I need to find somebody to manage that. And have, having that, that student, be it an editor or a leadership position, that kind of key kid, they can absolutely make those feeds just come alive with content mm -hmm. one, yeah just absolutely, to personalize absolutely. it now you know we were i was thinking about talking about book sales and then getting into recruitment but you've said two things already that really speak to me about the power of people and those moments when you call it the the stars align or everything clicks it sounds like for mm -hmm. you it was that six years ago yeah. for us it was right about 2008 2009 um, I, I, I credit some of our growth and development to um, becoming regular participants in summer camps, uh, which is something I'm sure we'll talk about down yep. the road. But as yep. we talk about people, let, maybe let's explore this first. You mentioned that you reached out to a student with a letter. That's something that I've done personally, and, and I know some of my student editors 
they've taken that approach and and said uh hey hey molly uh your name's been floating around to the lab a lot why don't you come up and and talk to us and let's think about next year and um, sometimes it works sometimes it pays off huge sometimes uh, we don't hear back from the kids but that sounds like a it was an effective strategy for you what are some of the other things you do to to reach out to prospective staff members you know, I do that every year for eighth graders. I try to get them before they come into the high school because once they come into high school and they found their passion, it's hard to go back and get them. Um, and so I found that I reach out to middle school English language arts teachers as well as the yearbook advisor down there. I used to help advise that yearbook as well. Um, but this year, I think I've trained the advisor down there enough that he doesn't need me. Um, which is exactly what my goal was. And he sent me a list of names and then I send those people letters as well. Um, obviously that's a limited group. I'd say this year I sent only about 35 letters where in past years I've sent probably a hundred. Um, but then we have a curriculum night tomorrow night at our school. And at that night, um, what I do is I um, have print materials that I've created that list like over 40 reasons why our program can benefit you. And, and it's just something that, that they can leave with. Um, this year, I'm going to add some testimonials from former students so that they can see that it doesn't matter if you're going into journalism or not. Um, like I have students that are going into medicine. And I know oftentimes um, students feel like they need to double up on science or double up on math in order to get into medical school. But I had a student recently that sent me this letter that just like it was it was my gold it basically said i'm the reason why she got into washington university with a full ride scholarship when her peers that had been working in labs were rejected um and she said really what it was was that the program was the difference and the game changer for her so i want parents to understand that having the same resume as everybody else isn't always a plus and um if we can find your kids strength in writing and let them write about what they want, want to write about. And if it's science related, great, you know, tie it back to the school, but let's make their resume stand out with these life-changing experiences that journalism provides so that they can get where they want to go. Absolutely. And I think some of the advisors who we might be speaking to here uh, are advisors from programs that are still in development or still in need of development and growth. Um, can at times, I remember feeling this way myself, I was so focused on uh, pages and ink and photographs and getting the deadline done that when I, when I finally got to the place where I could articulate, Hey, these are, you know, we talk about 21st century skills. We've got it in spades in publications and, and not just the, the hard skills of computer competencies and technology based right. skills, but we're talking about project management and deadlines and conflict resolution and collaboration, communication, um, editing. There's, it's just, so rich what we do it's it's just baked into the dna and if we can help articulate that to students who we might be recruiting or as you note their parents to help them understand that what we do with our students in our lab has worth and is valid and is valuable um it, it's it's huge it's absolutely huge we find at our school um we have a a, a great relationship with uh, our AP and IB coordinators, but certainly there's a lot of demand on the kids' time. Like completely valid, I get it, uh, but great. Thankfully, uh, we've got a lot of of uh, top flight kids on our staff, uh, AP and IB kids, 
we've got three sport athletes. You know, we're able to make it work. Um, and I'm sure you've, you found that too. You can live right. in, in multiple different worlds. And I think a staff that has kids who live and operate in a lot of those different areas, I think it benefits the staff, if anything. Yeah, you don't want to be a one-trick pony anymore. You want to be well-rounded. And, and this gives you a chance to have a portfolio when you leave showing everything that you were able to accomplish. Um, and like you said, those real-world skills, you're running a business out of your classroom. It's not right. a fake business. It's a real legitimate business out of your classroom. Not many kids can say that when they graduate to high school, that they were Absolutely. part of a business. Now, let me ask you, I come from a background in special education. It was actually my, my undergrad from Indiana. And one of the things that I took as a, a personal point of pride um, over the years was the means that our staff had to reach out to students from a, a wide range of, of academic backgrounds as well. Um, and, and this is going to propel us into another talk or another facet of this discussion, I think, about diversity, uh, which we'll come Thank to you. in a second. But I don't want and I want to dispel any advisors from, from who are listening to this from thinking that you want to recruit all of the valedictorians or the, all of the top 10 kids in your school um, because I, I'm firmly of the, the belief that there, there can be something for everybody in the lab. There can be a role for everyone and it can be kids with learning disabilities sitting elbow to elbow with the valedictorian. I, I've had that literally in my class before. And it's yep. enriched everybody's I, I, experience. Yeah, I the same thing. So how do you reach out to make sure that um, that you're not too homogenized? And, and, and let's keep it academics here for a second. But but in that regard of, of making sure that you've got kids from a wide variety of backgrounds. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. All different levels. Yeah. Um, so really, I've worked with the special education department in the past. And I've also worked with counselors. So they know that I'm flexible. And they know that I want to make it work. And so a lot of the, of the special needs parents will specifically request me um, because they know that I'll find something for their child to make them successful. In newspaper, I had um, some kids that were nonverbal. So we set up a list of questions and they use their device to go out and, um, and ask questions and interview people and come back and Somebody would help them type it up, but we had a column for them. It just really depends on each kid's needs. And that's what I try to make how I try to make it work. But I want everyone to leave successful and to and to grow. So they might not be the Val Victorian, but they still have a place on staff. And I had another kid who was autistic uh, or Asperger's, and he was very good with sports and stats. And so he would always do that kind of information for us for one year he looked up all the stats of homecoming to see how many wins and losses we had had over the decades and just for infographics. Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone. Absolutely. And it can, I, I, I'll be the first one to say it can take some more work. It can um, mean that you really have to be at your best on your patients um, and, and figuring out exactly what makes a student tick or where they can function at their best. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, it's so richly rewarding and it's great to, to, to see that payoff, uh, in growth ongoing. And then certainly the outcomes at the end of the year and think about where we were Absolutely. and where we've gotten to, um, you and I are both big fans of Carrie Faust, um, out in yes. Colorado. Uh, my, my entire staff, uh, adores her and something that Carrie said to me a couple of years ago 
and I think it's something that she articulates at, at workshops and in her presentations, um, it goes to diversity. Uh, but she says, when you're building your staff, you, you've got to recognize that your staff can't tell the story of your school if your staff doesn't yeah. look like your school. Um, and I think Carrie would be the first one if she was in on this, in on this conversation. She'd be the first to say that is not a, a skin deep uh, color tone kind of thing. This is not about ethnic diversity uh, per se. Certainly that's a facet of it. But talk to me a little bit about your work with your staff. Um, I Mine is overwhelmingly female. Uh, I guess I, I know that many staffs are <laughs> nationwide. Yes. Uh, but it, I, I want to hear from you first. This is something that, that we are, are constantly working on and I'm keenly aware of because of a critique that we got a few years ago, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But talk to me about diversity in, in your staff. I'm the same way. My staff is 99% female, I would say. Um, one of my editors is male, but um, he's a minority in the program. But um, I think one thing that we always do, and, I, and I'm the first to shout it out to them, is when we start talking about page planning that I say, the book right, needs to look right. like everyone in the school. So whether it be skin color or whether it be sex or gender, we need to make sure that we're representing all. This year we have a quote bar on the side of the page. And I, when they turn it in, the first thing I look for is are all grade levels represented? And then I look for, okay, what's the ratio male to female? And then how much coverage do they already have in the yearbook? So we have a wall in our classroom that's devoted to just student pictures, and once their name is highlighted, it can't be. And coming short so of the coverage, again. as you're, I'm imagining it's it's January 2018. You like us, we're we're starting to think about yeah. reloading for next year. What kind of conversations do you have with your returning student leaders or your staff as they're out recruiting to try to cast a wider net so that you your staff does look like your school? So I basically. Um, funny that you asked that. I asked the students to, I did a Google form and I asked them, who would you like to be sitting next to? Who do you think we need to have in this room? And what is their, what is their benefit to the program? Um, how could they help us? How could we help them? And so they each sent me a list of names and then tomorrow I'll go in and, and I'm, I have a letter that I've created um, that I will send to them personally because right. yeah. tomorrow recruitment begins. And um, on top of recruitment beginning, our course name and is changing. So it's really important that I communicate who we are and that our name so is changed. I, I do that that step of reaching out to my own staff and saying essentially the same thing. Who who do you want to be elbow to elbow with? Um, I dissuade them, as I'm sure you do right from the start. Your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend need not apply. Yeah. It's got to be somebody who's right for the program. Right. Um, because, and, and I've right. I had a girl, I think a year or two ago and she said, Oh, I know my boyfriend doesn't belong up here. I was like, that's great. But, um, that that's same good. conversation, yeah. have you ever had it with faculty at your school as it goes to recruitment? I have. In fact, I sat down with counseling because they've done a really good job of helping me. I do convergence journalism. And so I have both yearbook and newspaper, all four levels in my classroom throughout the day. And so they really worked with me. And so I sat down with them and just thanked them um, for helping me to build the program that I have. Because if it wasn't for them, they know what kid's going to be successful and what kid's not going to be successful. There's a lot of freedom in journalism. So it, there's a certain maturity level that needs to be there. Um, and so I've sat down with them as well as the English department. I've sat down with them. 
Um, I also have a very good working relationship with the art department, which is really nice because we piggyback off of each other. I feed them kids, they feed me kids. And it's kind of a win-win because of the nature of our programs. Right. Absolutely. You know, one of the questions that I've gotten good at asking the faculty members is to the art staff, tell me about your, your best designer, the kid that's got a great eye. Um, but I'll also often say, tell, tell me about a kid who sees the world just a little differently, right? A kid who ticks just a little differently because that kind of uh, personality, that kind of extra energy, that kind of different perspective um, can add a lot to a staff as well. 100%. It doesn't always, yeah, it doesn't always yield uh, maybe exactly what we're looking for, but at least we've got another student in the mix, another name in the conversation. And I think it's important that, that we push, right? That we don't just do more of the same or that we don't get too comfortable. Again, casting the net, I think, as wide as we can and, and welcoming uh, as many different students as we can. Exactly. As long as we teach the basics at the beginning, everybody everybody has the opportunity to be successful. It's a level playing field, is the way I say. When you start off, you're all at the same place. You don't really know anything yet. Right, right. Now, one thing that we did a couple of years ago that I wanted to mention, we um, we had we, our staff meets during uh, two of our three lunch periods. So oh, we, nice. our, 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 yeah, our yearbook works sixth and seventh period, uh, which is phenomenal because as it goes to hitting our interviews and generating a poll, we've got a captive audience. Um, but during fifth, sixth and seventh period, we had an open house, um, got out some Oreo cookies and, you know, kind of trade them up, made it look nice, cleaned the place up a little bit and invited students to come on up and, and just be in the space and see the space and talk to some of our students face to face and get a sense of, of place. And, you know, I can put a, a hard sell on into the hallway. Or, or shake a hand and talk fast by the lockers. But I, I, I always feel like our students are our best ambassadors I for the agree. program. A hundred percent. And I used to do a lunch and learn, but we have a right. no food policy now, so we can't have any kind of food at any time. Um, but at curriculum night, I have about 12 kids that come or that have signed up to come and to sell it to incoming kids or whoever shows up. Because again, they don't want to hear the old ladies giving the reasons why they should take the class. They want to hear from the kids that are in the class that they're really happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it sounds like we've got a lot of the same, you know, uh, strategies, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and some of the same approach. Um, I think, too, you know, at this point in the year, this is a time when um, having that strong staff culture, something we'll explore in another episode, but things like apparel and the lanyards that our kids have on their keychains and things that just that that brand that kind of infuses um our lab and i, I don't want to be um materialistic or silly about it but just right. yeah like the the right. yearbook lanyards hanging out of some kid's pocket like that that gets eyeballs here and there right, right? or the pullover 100%. the hoodie it absolutely pays off it uh, does so food for thought for the uh, for the other advisors listening. Any other final thoughts on, on recruitment? Are you facing any particular challenges going into next year or have goals for your staff? The only challenges I see for next year are that we changed the name to Convergence Journalism um, across the district. And so just communicating that it's no longer yearbook and newspaper because I want to open it up so that way we can go into social media and other aspects of journalism. Um, so that could be a challenge. And then in the curriculum guide, they just kind of messed up that they said it's an elective class versus a um, career and technical education class. So I just need to get a few little things straightened out before tomorrow at 8 a.m. But other than that, I think we'll be good. Got it. 
Got it. Well, good luck with it in the uh, in the in the weeks ahead. We're right in the mix. We're I think our course selection booklets go out tomorrow, and uh, the the sales pitch begins in earnest. Yep, ours do too. Yeah. Yep. So if you're a staff or an advisor listening in on the Yearbook Wise podcast, find us on Twitter at Yearbook Wise or email in at iteachyearbook at gmail.com and share with us some of your own ideas on recruitment strategies and uh, tips and tricks, things that have worked for you and uh, become part of the conversation. Uh, for the back half of the episode, we want to turn, you mentioned, Deborah, a couple minutes ago, the the fact that we're running businesses out of our classroom. I um. I, I always love writing recommend, recommendation letters for our business editors uh, because I'm able to to really pitch it high and say these these young ladies. It's all it's been girls for uh, I think yeah. ten years, uh, but but these young ladies are running a hundred and two thousand dollar business out of our yearbook lab, wow. and and there's not many seventeen eighteen year olds who can claim that. That's amazing. And uh, it, it's just it's absolutely uh, fantastic. And actually, rolling back to the recruitment conversation, just one last plug. You know, look at your your business classes, right? You get a student who's a, just a whiz kid in accounting too. You want to talk to that business teacher and have them put a good plug in for you to see if you can recruit that kid to staff. Absolutely. But, uh, as it goes to book sales, um, you know, every school is different. I, I think, Deborah, you and I want to help our listeners understand too that. Um, every program's relationship with uh, their rep, their yearbook uh, rep- representative, uh, back to the company, all of those relationships are just a little different, school to school and, and certainly company to company. So we're not going to get into a numbers conversation here, um, but we want to talk in kind of the big picture about strategies uh, and about where we find ourselves here at the, the halfway mark of the, work, of the year for us. So um, we've got a school, you're 1,600 kids, we are too. Um, and we have found in the, this is the fourth year our school has existed and we're right around 900 books is, is what our school, um, handles total that number. Yeah. yeah. Right uh, now. Oh, sorry. No, that, that would be amazing. Right. No. So we sell 900 books. Okay. Uh, total. That's still pretty amazing. That's a great yeah. sell through. We're, yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased. Yep. Yeah. I'm always aiming for more, but a 900 would be great. Last year Absolutely. we were at 850. So, and that was a great year. So 1600 900 for us, 850 for you. It, ha, has that been pretty steady or, or do you see some growth? We uh, Each year we've been increasing as our oh, book has continued to get um, stronger. Our sales have continued to get stronger. And, and we kind of brand ourselves as a national award-winning program whenever we have this opportunity. And I think that helps because when people see that you are being that you are valued in the journalism world, then I think they think, oh, we have a pretty good book, you know? And so they have nothing else to compare it to. You know what I mean? Right. And I think being able to articulate that self, the pride that you have in yourself uh, and and then our, in an appropriate way, our our book is, our program is kind of a big deal out there. You you want one of these in your hands. Absolutely. So let's break this down a little bit, um, and and I'm gonna I'll lead off with where we are with Tesserae, and I want to hear about you and your your kids. Okay. Our book sells for eighty dollars, and um, a friend at a, a convention helped me understand a couple of years ago. He said, "Don't don't don't explain to people that it's a sixty five dollar book, then a seventy dollar book, and an eighty dollar book. Just no, it's an yeah. eighty dollar book. Yep. And if you're gonna do tiered pricing, talk about it in terms of a discount or a sale. But it's important that people understand." the full cost of the book and the full worth and, and value 100%. of it. 
so we start uh, by we start the conversation, I should say, at uh, at eighty dollars. But for the first entire month of school, we do a fifteen dollar discount um, that takes us uh, from September first to October first uh, thereabouts, anyhow. And then uh, from October through actually the first of February, we're in it still right now. We do seventy dollars, uh, so okay. it's still a ten dollar discount. That's and great. then from the first of February uh, out, we do full price. Though uh, at different points throughout the year, we'll do um, a variety of of one day sales. Oh and, really? How, um, how does yep. that work? Well, so we in in second semester in particular, once we're at full price, um, we tend to roll it back uh, just two times. And um, at times, it's been interesting to me. I'll be interested to hear your perspective on this. But people will say, well. Well, can't I get the discount now, even though I bought it a month and a half ago? And right. the way I always explain it is like if you go to American Eagle and you bought the sweater and the price that it was, and then it goes on sales two months later, I, as far as I know, you don't get to go back to American Eagle and ask for that sale price again. Right. Um, and it, I was wondering how your parents took that. <laughs> Well, some so some know the pattern, right? Some some know, hey, they, hey, is that is that special day coming up? And I'll be like, yeah, give it a week, and you're you're right. Um, especially if it's a, a family where there's multiple students who have come through the school, um, and they're kind of right. used to it. Let me break down two examples, and then I'll uh, I want to get you in here. Um, two examples of those special sales. One is uh, a cupcake sale where we have uh, students on our staff, our business team in particular, uh, and then a couple other students, they'll each bake a couple dozen uh, cupcakes. And since we have three lunch periods, and that's when we do our sales, they'll take a, um, we call it a year buck. Uh, it's a little oh, monopoly funny. dollar bill yeah. uh, that has our, our logo on it. And they uh, print it, they laminate it, roll it up, and shove it down into the middle of the cupcake, and then frost them. And they do that with three cupcakes. And uh, as hilarious. the sales... Well, it gets better. So remember, this is once the books are on sale for $80. Um, if you buy a book, you get a cupcake. And uh, you can pick from any that are on the uh, platters on the table in front of you. So students come by, buy the book at the receipt, and take a cupcake away. And if they bite into the cupcake and they find the yearbook, they on the spot get $40 back. Wow. Um, so they just got their book for half price. And I should say not not on the spot. We do have to do it right, track the money. We, we write right. them a check. Um, but it, it's fantastic. And it's funny watching the yearbook kids working the table because they're like, oh, is it? Oh, is that the right cup? Okay. Oh, no. Are That's they so get it? funny. Oh, it's hysterical. And uh, photo it is absolutely. And, and um, you know, we we quote unquote lose one hundred and twenty dollars that day. Right. Uh, but I think last year but on Cupcake Day, we. Yeah, absolutely. visibility, and we—I think we sold seventy-two books that day, um, last year. Wow! And and that's seventy-two more than we had sold at eight o'clock that morning. So it's a win, right? Right. Uh, and the other one that we do is, uh, if students want to uh, get back down to the sixty-five dollar price, uh, we do a an, uh, a drive of uh, dry goods and non-perishable non items for the uh, local animal shelter. Uh, so every item that they bring in is $5 off the book. Um, they can bring up to three items. They can bring more, but the, the maximum discount they get is the $15 discount. And so uh, we had a kid come into school last year with this gigantic dog bone sticking out of his backpack. Uh, and he had, I think he had two cans of kibble or, or something in there too. And he said, I'm, I'm here to buy my yearbook. And we gave it to him for $65, collect all of the, uh, the dry goods and the bones and the squeaky toys. And, uh, 
talk about uh, good PR, got a shot of it for Instagram and uh, tagged the animal shelter in it. And away we go. It's given back to the community. And That's again, we're selling idea. books. It, it totally works. Yeah. yeah. So those are two gimmicks that we use um, in it. And I know there's there's dozens and dozens out there. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you handle it at Parkway West. So the only gimmick that I would say, okay, so I'll start off at the beginning of the year, July 1st, our school starts mid August, probably like the second, I would say closer to the second week of August. So July 1st, when sales open up, um, I put a flyer in the principal's newsletter, not sure many people read it anymore, but I still want it there visibly to sure. say that it's there. And we, our book retails for $65, but like you coming from a business background um, prior to teaching, I used to work as an assistant buyer, so I understand that whole markdown process. So I always said the book retails for 65, but we sell it for um, back to school price of 55. And um, we also last year started offering a free name stamping, the nameplate, um, which ends up being like an over $17 savings by the time everything's said and done. So right. we advertise the book is retails for 65 on sale for 55 plus a free nameplate saves you over $17. And this year, um, our sales were like, a, it was unbelievable. We sold through, uh, as of right now, we've sold 650 books Excellent. and that, um, that particular campaign sold through 70% of that, that number. We sold 450 books in August. Wow. Um, that ends wow. August 31st. But, um, so Really, I'm not making a lot of money for the yearbook at that point, but my goal isn't to necessarily make a huge profit. My goal is to get a book in every kid's hand. Right. Um, since then, um, so from September through uh, January 4th, we sold the book for $60, and um, we used our vendor, our, our yearbook company's monthly email to reach the non-buyers. And you can see when that went out, um, we our sales have definitely increased because it used to not, even with advertisements and stuff, but we realized that the kid is not the buyer, it's the parent buying. So right. it didn't really matter what we were doing at the school level, that wasn't necessarily working. We used to hang bath flyers in the bathrooms and the stalls because everywhere else in the school, nobody's looking, but we realized that's the only place where you really have um, visibility. Um, we advertised it on Facebook, you know, but you only have a certain number of followers on Facebook. So you're going to be hitting those people over and over again. Right. Um, I've said since then, we've sold obviously about 200 more books, but really um, September, we sold 70, which was good, even though it was after the deadline. We did right before the January deadline change, we sent a robocall home to parents just reminding them we sold 40 books that way. We're not allowed to do food, like I said earlier, so that kind of is a bummer. But um, last year, I'll have a cupcake for my, you. Yes, thank you. Last year in um, April, I reached out to all the coaches and teachers in the building and asked if they would like to purchase a yearbook at um, at a discounted price, and it was fifty five dollars the initial price, and if they'd like to donate it to a student in need, a senior in need, and I had a list from. Our school social worker, I, I never released those names, but yep. for the yep. 50 kids that were on that social, so, so, um, the social workers list, I wanted to make sure that every single one of them got a yearbook. 
and coaches always have money in their accounts. We don't necessarily get any money. So it was really awesome. Every single kid got a yearbook. So oh, we sold it, that 850, an extra 50 bucks just by asking. And right. I think everybody felt good about it. It was kind of a win-win. Um, and so it was really, really nice. And then I just had those shipped directly to those students' homes. Um, and I sent them a little note saying, congratulations, um, you, somebody loves you, you are receiving a yearbook from, you know, and then I would say who it was from. Right, right. No, that's fantastic. One, one, one thing that I heard about was like that, but subdividing it a little bit, going to say the science department and saying, hey, department, can you sponsor a book or two for, um, it was always seniors in need because they're, you know, first out the door as it were. Right. Um, and, and if, you know, every member of the science department can chip in 10 or $15, then you can cover down if you've, again, like you said, got coaches that can spend down an account um, and be, you know, in our building, we call those yearbook angels. Um, yes. And those are two phenomenal strategies. We also have a robust um, business ads and marketing operation that actually helps us yes. cover uh, the cost of the book because we sell it lower than it is it costs us. Really? Um, so, yeah, we actually take a loss. We, we have a... A, a large book and we like, you know, adding on, you know, doodads and, yes, you know, yes, features and things like that. Um, so we do a little bit of myth busting first with families like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. And we say, well, the, the real cost is never borne by any of our customers. We've already taken, you know, X amount off the top. Um, but be that as it may, when, when our kids are out talking to the, the local pizza parlor owner or the dry cleaner, or, you know, we've got a, a fortune 500 company in town to say, you know, we've got students in need, um, seniors in particular, will you sponsor a book in addition to buying your, your, or your business ad and sponsoring, uh, the book. And I think last year, I think we did another half dozen books that way. Um, and it's, you know, here and there, it's, it's six more kids that, that have a book in their hands, thanks to just asking. And I, that's what I wanted to get back to. You said, just ask and, and put the need out there and, and people step up every time. I agree a hundred percent. I reach out. So all of our, um, people that buy a full page ad, we give them a gift of a free yearbook. And so last year I reached out to all those people and said, would you like to donate that to a financially needy senior. And of course they all said yes, because really they don't need a yearbook. Um, but it was, we've already charged them $500 for a full page ad. So I felt like I didn't want to ask for more money, but I like right. your idea. No, and I want to run down through some of the things that we had talked about um, ahead of time. Both, both of us used a tiered pricing approach. I, I think we're seeing that as more and more common. Um, and certainly it speaks to the, the sale lover and, and every, you know, in everybody's heart. Um, of, of wanting to get the good deal. Um, something that I know that schools do that, that we haven't done ourselves is set up a, a booth or a table at, you know, that major rivalry uh, football game in the, in the fall or the first rivalry basketball game in the winter to, to have some visibility there. Um, you mentioned robocalls from mm -hmm. the principal. Um, we, we have one that goes out weekly. Um, oh, wow. And we, we, well, the call does. We're not okay. on it weekly. Okay. Um, but in advance of one of our sale days or in advance of a increase in the price, um, we'll, we'll get out in front of that maybe two weeks ahead of time and say, you know, Hey, this price change is coming by now online. Um, I know that you and I both make use of those publisher assist programs, um, yes. that there's, there's postcards, there's automated emails. Um, if you can provide those emails to your publisher, you want to make use of those opportunities. 
Um, and then, you know, I like putting it on the kids and, and we live now in a meme economy. Um, uh -huh. it feels like about three years ago when, when memes just exploded, um, there's, there's these creative kids then they know how to use Photoshop or they know how to edit video or how to make a gift. Videos too, like when, Absolutely. when we're in between deadlines or I yep. have, we're ahead of deadlines, I will have students, I'll create a project like that where they work in groups, create a song and, and go out and interview kids and make a video. And then I make it into a contest. Whoever gets the most views on nice. their yep. video wins, you know, I love it. Absolutely love it. That's fantastic. And you know, if any program with a, a modern DSLR in its equipment closet has an HD video camera, um, I would and, say even your cell phones these days, they could of course, come up with absolutely. Even, something even, you know, like absolutely. really great. And, and you go back to that recruitment piece, you, you said who uh, you were looking for that social media kid, right? At right. Parkway West. So you, you reach out to your students. Who, who Who's the kid with his own or her own YouTube channel that's doing you know crazy edits? You want that kid on your staff because Absolutely. then you can use them in making advertisements or as you and I both do. And maybe this will be, you know, episode 11 of the podcast, <laughs> but you've got multimedia content uh, in your books now uh, with with apps and websites, YouTube channels and the rest. Um, right. But, well, that's a maybe another conversation for another day. Great conversation. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm really glad to hear that you guys are are in such great shape um, with your with your sales right now. We're at um, we're right at 600 um, as of the weekend, and I think that is about 150 ahead of this time last year. I know. Uh, where we I, were sweating did, it. Did I don't you know do what's the in the water. Calls last year. Did you do the I, the um, emails from the yearbook company? We've done postcards from the company. Um, we 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 haven't. We just. I don't did, feel like. We, we've, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't feel like we've changed anything dramatically. It just feels like there's just a a different. You know, it, you know how you can get like, oh, this this senior class is really active, or this senior class is really laid back. Or, yeah. It feels like there's just a, a pulse in the school right yeah. now. This is um, as I mentioned to you, this this is the the end of our first four year rotation um, in our new building. So I don't know if that's a layer of this. Yep. Um, but I, I'm hey, I'm not going to question it, right? Yes. <laughs> We're in great shape. I honestly think it has to do with the reminders. For me, mm -hmm. I, we used to do one postcard uh, or two postcards from the vendor, but now I think the monthly reminders to the non buyers. I know as a parent, I usually wait to the last minute, and when I get something right in front of me, like that reminder, it's not overkill, but it, it just think it's like the right amount of reaching out. Absolutely. And, and you know, you've got to be an advocate for your program. Like we're, we are running a business and, and right. I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but I, I think you've heard me say it at, at workshops and, um, in online, I've, I've mentioned this, but the, the number one job of a yearbook staff is to sell the book. It's yep. not to preserve and record the history of the year. That's all lovely and adorable. Mm -hmm. But if you're not out there marketing and selling and selling and selling, then at the end of the year or a week after delivery day, you've got this stack of sealed boxes in the corner of your office that left that went unsold because the staff wasn't out there uh, believing in this thing and, and pushing it and getting it gone. And that's just money in a box just sitting there. And uh, and you can't pay the bills that way. So it's it's nope. got to be marketing and sales first. And certainly, the, I think one of the best marketing tools that we've got 
is a high inclusion rate in our coverage and in our storytelling, right? 100%. If we can go to a kid and and leave that uh, note on the locker, we haven't talked about this yet, but they, you know, hey, Joe, you're on page 38. Don't forget, buy the book. Here's the link. The price is changing on Saturday. You know, we um, each of the last couple of years have done that. Um, you know, the, the, the kids come in at 645. We make nice with the, the um, secretary in the attendance office that can tell us what lockers belong to whom. And then we do our, our non-buyers. Uh, you can cross-reference your non-buyers against your mentions with maybe your publisher has a, a, a hit list plugin or an indexing plugin. Sometimes we do it manually where we cross-reference that data. Um, we also uh, will compare our current non-buyers list to last year's final distribution list. So we can say, hey, Joe, you, you got last year's book. We know you did, and, and you haven't gotten this one yet. Don't you want you know the complete set? You kind of put the, the Jedi mind trick on them. But we're swimming in data, and there's lots of ways to uh, cross-reference it, compare it, run lists, and and figure out ways of, of getting out in front of your audience. Um, Which I love. So, I love uh, that yeah. part. It, it takes work, you know, but as we go back to that recruiting piece, you, you find those kids that, that just have that organizational, you know, number crunchy bone in their body. It's mm -hmm. the perfect kid to put in charge of this, this little side project. A hundred percent. I agree. Do you let your staff, uh, if they're selling business ads or doing, you know, X, Y, Z that benefits the program, does your staff get a benefit back of a cheaper book price or anything like that? Um, what they get is I let them any ad sale that they make, it goes back to them for travel for JEA, NSPA or CSPA. Sure. Got it. So it pays for their airfare or hotel. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. We handle something very, very similar. We have a kind of a a bottom line, uh, bring in X amount. And then after that amount, um, half of what you do is, is back to you, but we want to make sure we're taking care of our bottom line for the program first, um, and, and able to pill the, pay the bills, but then get those kids out on the road. Um, so that's a, it's a nice enticement for, yeah, we should do an a, episode on, on business and marketing too. <laughs> it's a win-win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, friends, uh, as you're listening to the podcast, remember that we're out at YearbookWise on Twitter. That's Yearbook, W-H-Y-S. And you can email in at uh, iteachyearbook at gmail.com. Deborah, why don't you share your email address for the listeners? My email address is dclevens, K-L-E, V as in Victor, E-N-S-1, at parkwayschools.net. And we can put that in the description for the podcast as well. And people can reach out. Uh, we'll be able to link to the Pathfinder and do your programs online. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, I, th I think that's going to do us for this first episode. Um, Deborah, thanks again for being a guest. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. I, I hope something comes of this. And, and again, friends, advisors, uh, yearbook professionals, staffs, if you're out there listening, um, do check in. Give us a like at SoundCloud or iTunes and uh, find us on Twitter. It'd be great to hear from you there. Uh, next episode is going to be talking with Jim Jordan, special consultant with Walsworth, about uh, conventions and traveling with your staff. But for now, that does it with Yearbook Wise. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.